Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time, you're newer to Grace, welcome. We're glad that you joined us. My name is Joel, and I'm the student ministries resident at the Norton campus. I'm excited to join you all. And so what Josiah does here at Barton, I do at Norton. And so I get to see him a lot and hang out with him a lot. Uh, I've been doing that for about four years now, and I've also been married for about four years to my lovely wife, Jessica. And this past year, right before the new year came into be, we had our first kid on New Year's Eve. This is Corbin Anthony Gregory, and so he is uh, almost six weeks old, and so we are in the middle of like lots of learning, lots of lack of sleep, lots of fun, and lots of cuddles, and so it's a ton, a ton of fun. I told someone, I don't know, it must have been last week, it's epic. Being a dad is epic, and so there's a lot of things that come with that, but we're excited about that. We are in a series called Good Goals, Bad Gods. And we are looking at this very, very appropriate topic because we just came out of the New Year's resolution season, right? We hit a new year and you have goals that you set for yourself going into the year. And I'm here to tell you, I'm doing terrible at that. I uh, am a goal person. I enjoy setting goals and I enjoy pursuing getting those goals done or achieving those goals. And this year, it was, it's rough. Well, mainly because my son was born on New Year's Eve, so you don't really have much time to think about, hey, what are the goals I'm gonna set for myself? You're trying to keep the kid alive and go and, and do your thing, right? I'm in the hospital holding him and you're just not thinking much about the goals that you need to set. But in America especially, Actually, uh, and I bet across the world, there are like three goals. There are three goals that are kind of subconsciously always something that we run into the new year with. You don't have to write them down necessarily. You don't really have to think about them. We all kind of have this in the back of our mind that this year we want to do three things. One is we want to eat better. Right? We want to eat the right stuff. Two is I want to work out more. We're going we're gonna to go to the gym more. And three is probably get some more sleep. I get some more sleep. And I'm doing terrible at all those. Even the ones that I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing terrible. For example, we at uh, the Norton campus have a a great support system around us and so on staff and friends. Uh, And apparently what you do is when someone has a baby, you bring them meals. And so we have been, they've been generous and gracious in bringing us meals week in and week out. We've loved it. It's been awesome. The caveat is almost with every meal, we get a tub of ice cream. There's a tub of ice cream that comes with every meal. And so at any given time, there's five or six tubs of ice cream in our freezer. And there's only two of us. And so how are we supposed to get through that? So we made a new goal. Me and my wife decided this is the new goal. What we're gonna do is we are going to eat the junk food as fast as we can to get the temptation out of the kitchen so we don't have to worry about it anymore. And I can stand here today and tell you we've been successful at doing that. All the, all the ice cream is out of the freezer. And now we have strawberries and bananas and apples in our kitchen. And so we have done well we've finished our goal but hopefully hopefully your goals are not going the same way mine are goals are a great thing though goals are honestly a good thing goals take us from here to there they can take us from point a to point b whether it's academics athletics business personal goals athletic goals right you usually want to go from down here to up here and so you set a high goal to achieve. You want to make sure that you get there and you not only better yourself, but maybe better your team and the people around you. Now, goals are great, but this series, what we're talking about is, what if those goals actually become gods in our life? What if those good goals, the goals that we set, the things that we think about in the new year, what if they honestly, what if they become the gods of our life? 
What if they become the ultimate thing of our life? Definition of a God or gods is this, the supreme or ultimate thing in your life. The thing that gives you value or meaning, the thing that you value and you put time and energy into, the thing that you worship. In Exodus 23, this is God talking and this is his top 10, the 10 commandments. Adam uh, went over this verse last week. You shall have no other gods before me. God even recognized that our human nature is to put things or people in front of him. Like we, in our hearts, just naturally, even though they're good, they're really good stuff and they're things that we should pursue, we want to put things ahead of him and value and put them as the ultimate thing in our life. Tim Keller is an author and he wrote a book, Counterfeit Gods. If you're taking notes, write that book down. Counterfeit Gods is what it's called and it's a great book, but it runs into this conversation. So if you get a chance to uh, buy this book as you go through this conversation, that's great. But what he talks about, I'm gonna read a quote here in a minute. What he talks about is we don't necessarily have gods or idols. We, we, we kind of think of them as maybe carvings, right? Like you have these statues that they used to worship. That's the gods and idols of the day. And they're not necessarily that in our society. Rather, we put gods and idols in our heart. They're all right here. So it's not like you go home and you're worshiping this statue or anything, but rather we, out of the good goals that we pursue, often make them gods inside of our hearts. This quote, it's a decent sized quote, but I want you to tune into it because he kind of sets up the conversation for where we're going to go. He says, our contemporary society is not fundamentally different from these ancient ones. Each culture is dominated by its own set of idols. Each has its own priesthoods, its totems and rituals. Each one has its shrines, whether office, towers, spas and gyms, studios or stadiums, where sacrifices must be made in order to procure the blessings of the good life and ward off disaster. What are the gods of beauty, power, money and achievement, but these same things that have assumed mythic proportions in our individual lives and in our society? We may not physically kneel before the statue of Aphrodite, but many young women today are driven into depression and eating disorders by an obsessive concern over their body image. We may not actually burn incense to Artemis, but when money and career are raised to cosmic proportions, we perform a kind of child sacrifice, neglecting family and community to achieve a higher place in business and gain more wealth and prestige. I think what he's hitting at is these goals that we pursue, they very often become an issue in our life because they're the thing that's driving us, the thing that we look to for uh, value and meaning and purpose. And I think God recognized it. I think Tim Keller recognized that our human nature is to pour our life into these things so much so that we neglect the God, creator God, the one that loves us, created us and wants our worship and we place these other good things become the ultimate thing in our life. In this uh, Sunday, we are talking about a specific vein of goals uh, that may not be normal to church or may not be a normal conversation you have here, maybe awkward, maybe uh, intimidating, maybe something that you've never engaged with spiritually. We're gonna talk about our bodies, our bodies and health. Right? I was looking, as I was studying this sermon, I was looking at surveys. It's quite interesting uh, where the ranking of our understanding and our value of our bodies is because 2,000 people, they had a survey of 2,000 people and they asked them, you make New Year's resolutions, you make New Year's goals, what are they? What's your top 10 goals? And the top three have to do with your bodies or health. 
like losing weight or eating better or maybe going to the gym more. So top three and five out of those 10 goals have to do with your body or health. So it is something that is very prevalent. It's something that we think about. It's something we make goals about. Our bodies, they really give us identity. They identify us. When my son was born, we went, uh, obviously we were in the hospital, my in-laws, my parents came, brothers and sisters came to see him. And one of the first things after his name that they asked was how much did he weigh? How long is he? What's his hair color? What's his, uh, you know, they look at his hands, his feet. It identifies him as a kid. Our bodies are the first impression sometimes or the first appearance when people see us or when we look at people. We make judgments about how they look. We make, uh, you know, a perspective like, oh, okay, that's maybe how they are. Maybe that's how they are based off of their physical appearance, right? It's something where we usually describe ourselves through our body, how we dress, how we look, how we describe others. Our body is something that we are very in tune with and our culture is very in tune with. Our culture has a high view of the body and health. The health industry is a multi-billion dollar industry in our culture. And I would say so much so that our culture really is the ones that push our bodies being the gods of our life. And I think our culture really pushes that statement with the ads, with TV, whatever it may be. And there's five different categories I'm gonna go over where we see culture really pouring money into and really pushing us to get involved in. The first thing is personal trainers. You don't have to be a professional sports star. You don't have to be rich and famous. You can have a personal trainer and that's awesome. That's great. But there's so many different veins of where you can get a personal trainer from. You can go to the Y now and get a personal trainer. You can go to Planet Fitness. They also have pizza night at Planet Fitness. You can go get a personal trainer and pizza at Planet Fitness, right? That is a big push now. You need a personal trainer to make sure that you're in shape and you're doing well. The next thing is there's so many promised results. Right, you see it, there's TV ads, 20 minutes a day for 30 days in a row, you're gonna look like The Rock. Yeah, right, it's not gonna work, right? But there's promised results. You need to do this and you need to go here and this is what you need to do and I promise you it's gonna work. It's gonna, it's gonna make you look like so-and-so. The next thing is there's so many different workouts. Workouts are everywhere, right? Some of you might be CrossFitters, some of you might be runners, some of you might be bikers, some of you might be weightlifters. Like there's so many different workouts. Which one do I choose? Which one's right for me? What do I do? How do I navigate it? The next thing is supplements. And you might take supplements, but there are thousands and thousands of different supplements that I can take and brands that I can pour into. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, but I want to be fit and I want to look younger. And so I'm going to take and need to take, and this is what the culture is pushing. You need to take this. And then lastly, diets. And you might've been on a diet, but there's a thousand different diets in this world, right? The Atkins diet, the South Beach diet, the newborn diet. You just get whatever people bring you, right? You know, and so... <laughs> There are so many different diets out there. And so our culture is heavily pushing, our culture is heavily pushing this health in our bodies. And not all of it's bad. That's why this series is called Good Goals, Bad Gods. Because there are good goals connected to your body, to health. But what can happen is when those things in those categories become the thing that directs your life, the thing that makes you valuable, the thing that gives you purpose, that's when it becomes bad. 
That's when it becomes something where it totally distracts from the true God. And so culture, I think, elicits two responses. And so if you're taking notes, I would write these down in some notes under it. It elicits two responses from us usually. The first one is we become consumed with our body. And I think culture pushes this. Like the goal is for you to become consumed. And this is what it means. It means it becomes a good goal that becomes a God. These good goals become my God. A consumed person is all about me and what I need and what I can get and how I need to take care of myself, right? A consumed person is often very selfish. Like, okay, I, I got this. I got this workout, and so I gotta be here at this workout, and then I gotta go to this workout, and I gotta make sure, babe, my supplements have to be in. Or maybe you're consumed with how you look. I gotta buy this. I gotta make sure I'm keeping up with the Joneses and wearing this. I'm gonna make sure I got it all figured out. I remember in high school, right? High school, usually running into high schoolers, I'm not stereotyping, I was this way. I was consumed with my body. I was consumed with how I looked. Funny story, I was a high school football player and so the spring before my senior year, okay, senior year is big. If you're a senior, you're like hot stuff. And so I'm like, I'm gonna be hot stuff here. And so I wanna make sure that I am the one on the football team. I am pressing everybody else. I wanna make sure I'm lifting the most, doing the most, making sure that I get ready for senior year. We go into weightlifting one day and it's max day. Once out of every six weeks, we'd have a max week and you would lift as much weight as you calculated you could, okay? And so I was doing squat that day, squat, squat, max squat, sorry, max squat. And so I calculated, is everybody looking at me? I calculated that I should be able to squat 450 pounds, okay? Look at, look at me, yeah, that's crazy, right? 450 pounds. So, like any soon-to-be senior in high school, that makes sense. And so we'll just put all the weights onto the bar. So we put all the weights onto the bar, and we're getting under the bar. My buddies are watching me. I lift up, it slides off, it takes my wrist, and it snaps my wrist in half, and it breaks my wrist. It was insane, and it crashed, and everybody's like, oh, you know? But I was so consumed with making sure that I looked the best, and I, they, they saw that I was the best at this weightlifting, that I wanted to do whatever I could to make sure that happens, right? I got consumed myself. Here's some things. My goals might be my God if, now listen, if you're a consumed person, you might uh, relate to these if I spend more time at the gym than I do at home, if I'm more worried about how I look than who I help, if I'm more worried about my physical appearance than my heart, if I'm more focused on comparing myself to others, if I'm obsessed with having the perfect body. Like I said, someone that's consumed with their body and you might be there, that's okay. I was there too at one point. These two things we're gonna talk about, I think you, you go in between, honestly. But if you're a consumed person, you're very, very selfish and focused on how can I make myself better? How can I make myself look better? How can I make myself have a better standing according to my physical appearance? My body is appropriate. My body is making sure that I make a stance for myself. And so someone can become very consumed. Our culture pushes that very much so the other end of the spectrum so we got consumed over here the other end is careless no goals that ignore my god right where consumed is i have to have the peak body performance the peak body appearance careless is i who cares i could care less about my body i could care less about what i do with it i could care less about what i put in it i could care less about whatever it is in a careless person careless person is just pursuing whatever satisfies them. 
Like as long as it makes me feel good and as long as it feels good and feels right and maybe it, it you know, it may be, uh, I don't know if I should, but I'll pursue it because it satisfies me. Careless person might look like this, makes fun of people who work out. Oh man, I can't believe they work out. That's silliness, right? Only goal is to eat whatever they want, whenever they want. Exercise goals are non-existence. You don't really care about your body. Maybe you're abusing your body with substances. And maybe I would go as far to say sexually you're being careless with who you're having sex with, right? Careless is someone that just could care less. I went to uh, Ashland University, okay? I went to Ashland University. I remember this point in my life, this is when I was probably a little more careless, okay? So I'll just be honest with you. I was, I was consumed and careless, right? Careless uh, Ashland University has the number one cafeteria in America, and it's awesome. And it's, if you've never been down there, you need to go down there and just eat there. It's amazing. But I realized when I was thinking through this sermon, it is so easy. It was so easy for me in that time frame to be careless and to eat whatever and do whatever I wanted. They had buffet and all this good stuff. And you might, re- uh, you might be on that side of the spectrum. You might be over there and you're like, I don't care. Like, I, I, I could care less. And carelessness is actually a lack of understanding the purpose of your body. I would even go as far to say it's a laziness to understanding the purpose of your body. I mean, carelessness of, I don't care what God gave me. Like, I don't care that this is the only body that I have. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Now, listen, I, I will admit with you, right now I'm pretty careless. And I have a little excuse, a six-week-old at home and whoever's bringing me food is bringing me food. And that, that's where I'm at. I'll stand up here in a minute. I, I'm careless right now and I need to swing back to being in the middle. But I want you to take like 10 seconds. Think about where you're at because it will help you navigate the rest of this conversation. Are you careless? Are you someone that's like, oh, I, I don't really, I could care less about my body, what I do with it. Or are you consumed? Are you the one that I'm at working out four hours a day, supplements, making sure? Think about it. Because the rest of the conversation will be geared towards how do we take these things that limit my effectiveness for the gospel? How do we take what is holding me back from moving forward with Jesus and zeroing in on the good news of Jesus and saying, how does that impact how I see my body? Because I think the gospel gives us an amazing picture of how powerful and amazing the gift of our bodies are and the purpose behind them. Like each and every one of you have a body for a purpose. It's not just because. It's not just because you're here. You have a body for a purpose. So if you have a Bible or you can look on the screen, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians 6, okay? 1 Corinthians 6 is where we're gonna be landing in verse 19 and 20. Let me give you an idea. We're gonna be in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians for part of this. Uh, Paul is the writer of these letters. He's writing a letter to the church in Corinth, okay? And the church in Corinth, they were wrestling with a lot of stuff. They were navigating a lot of stuff. The culture there kind of was a whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it kind of culture. And so this church is kind of smack dab in that culture, in that time frame, in that city. And they're navigating a lot of issues, a lot of questions. And in particular, this passage is talking about sexual immorality. And so they have quite like, can I do what I want with whoever I want? And Paul is writing to me, he's like, here, this is how you need to navigate sexual immorality and in, more in particular, your bodies. 
So we're gonna look at two verses that really bring truth to the start of understanding what our body's purpose is. So if you turn there, you're gonna be in verse 19 and 20. And this is what it says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here's the first thing. If you're writing notes, I challenge you to write this down. My body is a temple that the Holy Spirit lives in. My body is a temple that the Holy Spirit lives in. This counteracts the careless attitude. This counteracts the careless attitude because when you see how gospel-centered your body is, it will allow you to understand why you should honor God with your body. Here's what he says. Your body is a worship center. Like it's a temple. And so the church in Corinth, they would have understood that because they had temples around them to different gods and to different things that they believed in. So they would go worship there. Your body is literally a worship center. It is to be honored. It is to be seen as where God resides. God lives inside of you. Like the Holy Spirit says in this passage, lives inside you. That is powerful. As a follower of Christ, to have that knowledge and to understand that God lives inside of you, it blows your mind. But not only that, but you were bought at a price. Your lives, your bodies were bought at a price by Jesus dying on the cross. That should just blow our mind to pieces that he would come down and die for us so that we could live this life. So what's that mean? It means that we should honor God with our bodies. He says, all these things, like I have built your body to be a worship center. It is a temple. I live inside of you. I sent my son to die for you. So honor me with your body. Our physical bodies are extremely important because of that. So Paul is writing this. God's challenging us to look at this as a gift to bring attention to Jesus with our bodies. It's not about me. That we no longer are careless about whatever we do, but rather we see how extremely important, how valuable our bodies are to God should motivate us to roll around and take care of it. That we don't just do whatever we want with it. We don't just sleep with whoever we want. That we see what God did and how God built this, that he's like, I gave you a body to take care of and to live this life with, to see the importance, honor me with it. So that's what counteracts the careless attitude. And honestly, a careless attitude degrades the gift that God has given each and every one of us. Like I was talking to middle schoolers this past week. I work with middle school, high school students. I absolutely love it. And we were in a discussion about uh, what it means to be made in the image of God. And I was telling them, you are made individually, specifically. God has given you each gifts. He's given you each a body and it's amazing. We should see the gift that God has given us. The second thing, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians 5. It's on the screen if you don't wanna turn there. This is what Paul says to the Corinth church here in chapter five. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that earthly tent is our body. That's our, our physical body right now. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. That's the body we'll have in eternal life. That's what he's referring to. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Here's the point if you're writing down. My body is a temporary tent 
that I live in to accomplish God's purpose. My body is a temporary tent that I live in to accomplish God's purpose. None of us want to live in a tent full time, or at least I would hope you don't. And if you do want to do that, more power to you. But I have gone camping in a tent and it's rained and it's pretty rough, right? Tents are are made to be temporary. They're made to be something that we just spend a couple days in. And they are something that's going to break down. And he's referring to our physical bodies as tents and this counteracts that consumes mentality, we get so consumed with making sure our body looks this way, that way, and we're working out to make sure that I got the muscles that I got, I got the clothes I wanna wear, I look the right way. And he's like, it's just a tent. Like, that's not your permanent home. If you are a follower of Christ, you're gonna go up to heaven, you're gonna a whole new body. You need, that, you need to recognize that this body here on earth is not your home forever, it's not the mansion forever. No, no, rather, it's a tent that God has given purpose too that you have this for a purpose and the purpose is centered around bringing attention to Jesus that, that, that's why you have it it's a temple tent it gives us an accurate view of our bodies and it gives us an accurate view that God created us and gave us these bodies it's not us that did it it's God he's given us this willingly so you might have been like, okay, I could see myself on careless or consumed. I would challenge you to look at that. Where are you at in there? I'm currently in careless, okay? So I'm working my way. Where's, but where's the middle? Where's that like double stuff, Oreo middle, the goodness? Where, where do we want to be, right? Where do we want to be pursuing? And it's this church word, consecrated. Be consecrated. My goal is to devote my body to God for his purposes, my goal is to devote my body to God for his purposes. Romans 12, 1, it's gonna be on the screen. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome, okay? And this is what he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our bodies need to be seen as living sacrifices. Like that is what we should be pursuing in this life that we are devoted to the purposes of God by being living sacrifice. If you look at the verse, uh, the, pa- or the words right before uh, living sacrifice, that, that statement says, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy and what he did for us by sending Jesus to die for him on the cross. That's what he's referring to. Like when you understand how powerful that image is and what Jesus did for us, we should be willing to offer our bodies to him. We should be willing to jump in and say, yep, my body is totally yours. I'm gonna devote it to whatever you have me doing in this life. We sacrifice, we sacrifice time and consuming all of our time to put it into us, 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 and say, Jesus, I, want, I wanna follow you and I wanna pursue others and put time into others and what you're doing in them. Culture tells us and shows us that being consumed is the goal and being careless is cool. Culture tells us that consumed is the goal, careless is cool. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's like, be consecrated. He's like, take care of your body. You need to take care of your body so you can devote it to me. You need to take care of it. We need to take care of our bodies so that we can devote it. Right? Jesus is like, this consumed and careless, you might be on the spectrum, but where do we take it from here? So here's an illustration. It's gonna be very simple and maybe even, I'd go as far as stupid simple, okay? Stupid simple, but uh, me and my wife, we bought a car 
uh, probably August. Okay, so August time. So we, we knew we were pregnant at that point, obviously, and we knew that we needed a new car because our car, my car's old and her car was getting older. And so I'm like, let's get you a new car, okay? A newer car. And so we went in and got, uh, we call it a mommobile or something like that mobile. You got the family car now, okay? But we didn't go all the way. Like we're still cool and hip, so we didn't go minivan style, okay? We went SUV. So we're just taking it step by step, parents, right? Yeah, we're taking it step by step. And so we got an SUV. It's a newer SUV and I wanted to make sure she was comfortable in it and she was she didn't have to worry about you know this thing breaking down or this thing breaking down she'd drive the kid around and do her thing but let's just imagine for a second okay we brought that home we brought that home and and let's just imagine that we got this newer car and we're excited about it and weeks go by and I never wash it right I never wash it or I never take it in for an oil change I never, I never take it to mechanics. I never rotate the tires. Never put new tires on it. I never check that the brakes are good, right? You'd be like, you're silly, Joel. You, got, you paid money for this car and you're not gonna take care of it? Like that would be absolutely ridiculous, right? And after a year or two, it probably wouldn't exist anymore because it'd probably be so beat up and junky that we probably wouldn't use it. Like that's one end of the spectrum. That'd be silly, right? The other silly thing would be to take that home, put it in the front yard, park in the front yard, put a bow on it, and post on Instagram and Facebook, like, I got a new car. It's got four wheels. It's red. It's got plenty of seats. It's got heated seats, which are a great invention, especially if you live in nor- Northeast Ohio, right? It's amazing. It's got, it's got everything we wanted. We post it online. We get excited for it, and we just let it sit in the front yard with the bow on it for the rest of its time, and it doesn't fulfill its purpose. Like, people would be driving by and be like, you fool. What are you doing? You're paying for it. Why don't you use it? And I know it's silly and I know it might be stupid, but that's a lot of times how we kind of neglect our bodies. That's a lot of times how we, we just totally forget about our bodies and how God has built it so that we can pursue him. Sometimes we're just careless about it. We don't take care of it. And we're like, we can do whatever we want. We can eat whatever we want. We can, substance, I can do, I can pour in whatever I want when I'm hurting or you're consumed and you're, and you're over here and you're like, I gotta, I'm working out four times a week and making sure that I'm working out five hours those four times and making sure I got the supplements and making sure I'm pouring into these clothes because I look good. And we totally neglect the vision for our bodies and what God has created them to be. This is a quote from Rick, Rick Warren and it's gonna take us to kind of the implication. Like, what do, we, what do we do with this, Joel? Like, you just beat us up. I, you know, like, you just told us our bodies are consumed or careless. That's how we think, right? We're on that spectrum. We gotta get back to the center. What do we do? How do we go from here? Where do we go Sunday afternoon thinking about this? This is a quote from Rick Warren. God created it. Jesus died for it. The Holy Spirit lives in it. So I better take care of it. It rhymes. I'll say it again if you wanna write it down. God created it. Jesus died for it, the Holy Spirit lives in it, so I better take care of it. So how does this look in our life? How does this look in my life, or in our life? So you're on the two spectrums. If you are a careless attitude, if you're a careless attitude, you should see it like this. If my body is a temple, then my goal is to be, not be careless. If my body is a temple, my goal moving forward is to be not careless. Like, and so this, what's this mean? Well, if you, if you recognize that, yep, I'm careless, you should go home today, you should write down, I'm careless, and you should start making goals for yourself. 
Start making goals for yourself to say, what if I walked around my neighborhood 30 minutes a day? What if I just started there? It's a physical goal. It's a simple one. Walk right before dinner, right after dinner. What if it's eat healthier? Maybe it's less ice cream, more bananas. Something as simple as that. Right? Maybe that's the goals that you need to start setting for yourself. Maybe it's getting help for the abuse uh, that you're putting into your body through substances. Maybe it's, okay, sexually, where am I at? What am I doing? Maybe I need to make a goal to watch what I'm doing sexually. Because this careless attitude can eat at you and it can eat at you and it can eat at you. And maybe you're on that spectrum. That's where I'm at. Like today I'm going to go home and I'm going to think about what do I need to do to swing back to the middle to be consecrated. Like what, what's that look like for you? For others, you're on this end of the spectrum. You're consumed. You're actually consumed with your body. You're all about your body. And this is my question to you. If you see your body as a temporary tent, why not run into the goal of making yourself less consumed with it? What if you went home and you wrote down, I'm consumed. I'm consumed with my body, how I look. I'm worried about what others think. I'm worried about my physical appearance. I'm worried if I don't make it to the gym five hours a day that I'm not gonna look the way I want it. I'm worried if my supplements don't come in the mail on this day that I'm not going to be fit and look good. Write that down and then write down some goals. Write down some goals of fulfilling the purpose of your body. Maybe for you that's coming home from the gym earlier than you usually do to be with your wife and kids. Maybe it's spending an hour, hour and a half at the gym, not four. Maybe, maybe it's not buying the newest clothes all the time so that you look good and keep up with the Joneses. Maybe it's just being content with what you have. What does that look like for you? Because I'm not you. You know, you all know where you land and what you struggle with, what you're wrestling with. So where are you at on that spectrum? But I'm also not naive to think, I'm not naive to think that there are some of you in here that have battled sickness and health issues or will. Some of you will battle some significant health issues, sicknesses. This is what I would say to that. Even when my body fails me in sickness, God can still use my body to bring glory to himself. It's what's inside comes out during those times. I watched my grandpa go through cancer. Uh, When we found out he had stage four cancer and so it wasn't very long until he passed away five or six years ago. But it was unreal to me and my dad as we watched him just digress in health, how the passion and love for Jesus came out he would be uh, helped into the restroom, helped to use the restroom. It was that bad, but as that was happening, he would tell the nurse about Jesus and about what he did with his life and about the passions of his life. What is on the inside comes out, and so what your heart is all about will in those moments come out. And so if your heart is focused on Jesus, pursuing Jesus, hopefully joy, even in the hard times, will come out. Faith, even when it's confusing, will come out. And the truth is, that's where we're going to end, okay? That's where we're going to end. The truth is, sorry to burst your bubble, you're all going to die. We're all going to die. Eventually, eventually we're going to die. It's just, it's just a matter of it. It's the truth. And a consumed mentality, a consumed mentality in life says, I have to look this way. I have to lift this mountain away. I have to fit in this so that I have purpose and meaning and value in my life. And when those things don't happen, you just, you sink. 
You don't know where your foundation is. So when those things don't take place and those things that you value, they fall apart, it's like, what, is, what do I do with my life? Where am I at? Because your foundation was built on something that is so fragile. You're careless over here where you're satisfying your body with whatever you want, whenever you want. You're looking for the next thing to give you that high, the next thing that's gonna make you feel good. And when you can't find it or when he or she leaves and you're all alone and you're like, where do I go? And it just tumbles down again. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Don't base your life on those two things. Don't base your life on your body. He says you need to take care of it to devote it. He says this is found in what I did for you on the cross. The good news of Jesus is that he came to this earth. He died on a cross for you and me. He died for our sins so that we could have eternal life if we say yes to him. And in that eternal life, we'll have a new body. But not just that, we, we miss this often and, and this is where people can get cranky, cranky Christians and this is where people can forget what, what we're doing here on this earth is that we have meaning and purpose here on this earth. That God is very clear about our purpose while we're in this tent on this earth. And so for some of you, for some of you, like you've never said yes to the good news of Jesus. And, and this conversation will come full circle and will start to make sense when you do that. that. That when you see that Jesus literally came down this earth, put flesh on, and he died for you, and he died for your body, and he died so that you could have life, he died so you could have purpose and meaning, then that will give you an understanding and a vision for what your life and your body is all about. For some of you, that's where it starts. It starts by saying yes to him today. By recognizing that he loves you so much that he would give his life for you. And then start to live with purpose and meaning of understanding where your body is supposed to be placed in the vision and the purpose behind it. For some of you, that's where it starts. For others of you, you've said yes to Jesus before. And I love that. And you, and you, you know you did it when you were six years old or maybe when you are 30 or 15, wherever you're at, and you're like, they told me I was gonna have eternal life and I have this new body. Yes, and that's awesome, right? We're excited about that. But you've lost the vision for your purpose and meaning in this life. And you're, and you're all careless and you're like, oh, what, about, what about this? Oh, I don't care, it doesn't matter. Or you're consumed, you're like, my body, my body, my body. And you've lost the vision for what Jesus told us to do and that is to make him make sense to others. And that is to make disciples who make disciples. That is to reach the lost. He says, your body, your body is an asset to you. It can propel the gospel. It can make the difference in your life when people look at you and people ask you questions, how they see you living life, how they see you treating your body, how they see what you're doing might make the difference of them seeing Jesus or not. And so he's like, Today, I want you to recognize where you're at. I want you to recognize where you're at so that you know where you need to go. And where you need to go is the cross, first and foremost. For some of you, for the first time. For some of you, just to get realigned. And then each and every day after that, you keep looking at the gospel. I kid you not, if you need to read a passage that just states clearly what the gospel is, do it every day. Just keep looking at the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in saying, how today can I honor God with my body, devote it to God, take care of it, so that others will make sense of Jesus through what I'm doing with my body.
That's where it's at. And that's the challenge moving forward, not just for you guys, for myself. I was real with you. That's the challenge for all of us. I encourage you to do that as you go home. Why don't you pray with me?